Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Thursday, December the 28th. And to continue our long tradition with our wonderful friend, uh, Frank Burke, up in Wisconsin, we're going to talk a little Christmas and maybe a little bit more than that uh, today. Let me say hello all the way from Wisconsin to our good friend, uh, Frank Burke. How are you, Frank? Well, thanks, Silvio. And uh, happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Christmas is a little belated, but we are moving into the new year. Absolutely. We couldn't we couldn't miss the opportunity to do another one of these Christmas chats uh, with you. Uh, Frank, I have to ask you, as I always do, how is the weather up in Wisconsin? You don't look like you're very cold up there right now. No, it's been unseasonably warm. In fact, it's uh, in the 40s today. It's raining. It's been a dismal day. Yesterday was beautiful. Uh, it got up to 50 for the last couple of days. And uh, <clears throat> the trend is going to be more, <clears throat> excuse me, chillier, of course, because that's Wisconsin in winter. Yeah, sure. But we've had a really warm December and very, very little snow. Yeah, it is remarkable. It's <clears throat> like in the 40s right now down here in Texas, in North Texas. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, this is more typical for us this time of the year. I, I don't. I don't think that... Uh, we're uh, we're cold or warm. I think this is more or less where we usually are. Sure. Um, in fact, I uh, I'm mailing you an article. You probably didn't get it yet, but I'm sending you an article that was in the local paper about that we've had five day five times in the last hundred years where we've had a white Christmas. <laughs> That's great. I know, which is a <laughs> lot different than you, I'm sure. But yes. Five yeah. days. Five days in the last hundred years. And one of them was actually not that not far back. I think it was 2012 uh -huh. when we had a, a when we actually had snow on Christmas Day. So it's a very rare thing down here. I know it's more common up there. And when I lived up there, that was one of my favorite parts having actually uh, a Christmas, uh, a white Christmas. Sure. Uh, that was one of my favorite parts. And and I and I know why because you look out the window and you see all this. You know, all, all these fields, you know, covered with snow. And oh, it's my late it really is. Yeah, as my, my late father used to say, it looks so good <laughs> when you look out the window, but then when you got to get up at five o'clock in the morning and go to work and walk through all that snow to the bus stop like he did, uh, it wasn't so beautiful. Uh, but anyway, uh, the weather, Frank, let me let me begin by bringing up this point, uh, about Christmas. For me, it seems like Christmas, the older you get, uh, it seems like you, you think more about family and you also think more about the family that isn't here anymore, like my parents and that kind of thing. It seems like I find myself this time of the year looking at pictures of my parents and pictures of my sons when they were little. Uh, I tend to be doing a lot more of that. Uh, this time as I get older. I, I don't know if that's typical or just me. What do you think, Frank? Well, you know, I, I, I think it, it would be typical. I, I, you and I are very similar in many ways. So I do the same thing. I think a lot about the people that we knew who are no longer with us. I, I think about our animals, pets that are no longer with us and uh, what it was like when we were young and uh, how important it is really to hold on to some of that and to hold on to some of childhood. You know, every year 
I'm, I do a lot of reading, and every, I have to, but uh, I also like it. And uh, every year I try to read one children's book to get me in the mood. And I have a rule on Christmas and birthdays, and that is Christmas and birthdays, if you give me gifts, I only want toys or tools or things like that, hobby-related things. I don't want clothing. You have to buy that anyway. So I like to keep that that much childishness in it. Well, I I do like uh, I do like music. I do enjoy getting music for Christmas. Yes. That that is something I've always enjoyed getting. And I know for my parents, I used to get them CDs. And my father was a big fan of classical music, so I used to always there was always a uh, a Beethoven symphony that he didn't have. Not, yes. not he, that he didn't have, but a an arrangement or an orchestra. Right, that a he version, didn't have. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I would always go to the store trying to find out which one he didn't have because uh, that was a something that he would enjoy getting. But I just, for example, today was looking back at some pictures uh, of Beatrice and I and our first Christmas together and a picture with my parents. And I just... You know, I, I kept looking at that picture. It brought back so many memories. Yes, uh, it's almost as I, I can re I can almost go back to that moment in, in that picture, and almost like if it was just yesterday, Frank. And it's not yesterday; it was thirty-seven years ago. But it sure feels like yesterday, Frank. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I think one of the things the holidays do, and especially when we take out the things that have always been a part of the holidays for us or things like even the church services or the uh, in the Christian church, the gospels, probably in the, in the Jewish religion, it's lighting the menorah. And uh, when you do that, you realize that in a lifetime, there aren't that many times you do that or hear that. And so it's, it's very easy for this flood of memories to come back and to understand what, uh, what life was like then and how you felt about things and to be able to touch some of the things of that time, maybe to hear one of those symphonies. That's right. And very that's right. And something, I guess an advantage that we have that our grandparents didn't have, or certainly people a few centuries ago didn't have, maybe they had the memories, but they didn't have the photos. Yes. And so we, I have the opportunity to look at a photo <clears throat> of when my sons went to see Santa Claus. Yeah. And I can look at that photo, uh, you know, I suppose a hundred years ago, people maybe had the memory, yes. but they didn't have that photo to remind them of details. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, uh, that, that's for me. So as I get older, I tend to put more emphasis on looking at those photos rather than necessarily, you know, buying a lot of gifts, um, I, I just find that the the more Christmas goes by, the older I get, the more that it it means memories to me, Frank. That that's what it really does. Well, what we're talking about, Silvio, and, and this time you and myself, what we're talking about are traditions, and traditions are things that you do repetitively at certain times that keep alive the feelings, the rights of something. Uh, why it's important, and uh, that bring it back to you and that you want to pass on to your children. 
and to the people around you, even even your neighbors or friends. That's why I think, um, you know, when, when I was young, the lady across the street, Mrs. Doyle, she was uh, Polish and German, and she made this wonderful cookies with uh, these wonderful cookies with anise seeds, and uh, I I got a recipe, and every few years I make a batch of them, and I send them out to family and friends, and as a result, many of the people I know who never knew Mrs. Doyle wouldn't have known or even heard of her are enjoying these cookies and they say, hey, where's the recipe? Can I make more? Can I have some of those? And it becomes a tradition for them. That's a wonderful sharing experience. Now you had one advantage over me growing up in New York is that you probably had a lot more ethnic uh, diversity around you than I did. I mean, you probably uh, in your neighborhood had neighbors from, like you mentioned, I think you said Poland or whatever. So you had Christmases. Yeah. So you had Christmases and, you know, celebrations and maybe foods and things to eat and and things that I didn't have. I mean, I basically had one, you know, uh, the Spanish Catholic tradition that we had growing up. And then when I came here to the United States, uh, well, whatever, whatever was going on then, but you, I, I I would think that those neighborhoods in New York must have been so diverse. And at Christmas time, it must have been so much fun just to smell oh, the food, Frank. It, it was phenomenal. It was terrific. And you had not only the food, but you had the music. You had the customs. Uh, you know, in some, some cases, the clothing that people would wear, different colors, especially for it. And um, it, it was just a wonderful time. It was a kaleidoscope. Of, right. of tradition. And is there one, Frank, that you remember? You said Mrs. Doyle. Is there one that you remember also besides Mrs. Doyle and her cookies? Oh, yes. Uh, yes, indeed. I remember the um, uh, two doors away, an Italian family, the Delias, and Aunt Jean's food was absolutely incomparable. It took me many years, but I finally found a recipe that approximates her sauce. And it, it was just tremendous. And the thing that was, it, you know, in those days, everybody appreciated ethnic humor. You laughed very hard at the jokes about yourself. And and people told jokes on themselves. And, and the warmth and the closeness, the people helping people. My mother was a nurse. She took care of uh, Grandma Delia. And when I was sick, they brought food for my parents. How do you, you know, challenge that? That's wonderful. Right. That's what life's about. Right. And 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 I'm not sure that the neighborhoods, maybe in New York they still are. I don't know. But I don't know if neighborhoods are that way anymore because I don't think people know their neighbors the way they used to, particularly in cities, maybe in smaller towns they do. But in cities, I, I don't think that neighbors interact uh, you know, I remember, I, right. I, I mean, it's just my impression. I could be wrong, but that, that's just my impression. I mean, like around here, we have some wonderful neighbors and, but for whatever reason, everybody's on their own Yeah, on Christmas day. Nobody seems to be, nobody's going to anybody's house as, yes. as we, as I remember, um, uh, you know, growing up, you know, people would come to your house and, and bring something to eat. And then you, 
Yeah, I mean, there there was just a lot more interaction, uh, uh, and I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's good or bad, because I think it's sometimes, very good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very good. I know sometimes there were some crazy neighbors that you wanted to limit your interactions with, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think overall it was. Uh, I, I remember it as quite positive. Now, another another thing I wanted to ask you uh, about this year, Frank, this debate in the country between Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Now, I actually think that the Merry Christmas side has won, that more people are saying Merry Christmas. But I, I think, do you agree? Yeah, because I think more people are going back to that. They feel more comfortable. We yeah. had a school district here recently where the, the superintendent of the school district said, hey, no more of this winter party stuff or winter vacation. It's a Christmas holiday, and that's what we're going to celebrate. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, he told everybody on the last day of school. Not everybody was happy, but that's the way it goes. But I had an experience the other day that I related to you uh, last week on the phone where I was talking to a, a doctor's office uh, about a future appointment. And as we're getting ready to, to finish, I say to the young woman, I guess, or the lady on the phone, I say, Merry Christmas to you. And there was like silence mm -hmm. on the other side. Because it, it's almost like I got the impression that she was thinking, well, do I say Merry Christmas or do I say Happy Holidays? So that I, and it's, some people are still that way, Frank. And so I, I like to have your thoughts. Have you had any any uh, experiences with Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, or any any confusion by some of the people you interacted with, Frank? Well, I think that some people who are in a um, how can I say a, call it I hate the word, but a diverse atmosphere will try and say Happy Holidays because it diffuses a situation. Now, I know I have a number of Jewish friends, and when I send cards to them in this season, I do not send religious cards. I send cards that would say, Happy Holidays, and they send the same to me, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's respectful of their tradition. But generally speaking with everyone, I'll say Merry Christmas, because it's that is the season, and this is what we grew up with, and this is... Uh, the whole reason for the season, really. Right. And people forget that it's actually a national holiday, Christmas Day. It's a yes. federal holiday. It was signed into it was signed into a federal holiday by I believe it was President Grant, who signed it this not so long mm -hmm. time ago and made it a, a actually a religious religious holiday. I gotta tell you a quick story about Christmas cards. Every year at our church, the Knights of Columbus, they make these very, very Catholic Christmas cards. That mm -hmm. They sell them. It's a fundraiser. So this year, as always happens, Beatriz bought her box, you know, of Christmas cards. Sure. And she's ready to send them, you know. She's going to get ready to send them. And then she finds her way traveling to New York uh, to be with our son, who's expecting a, a baby any moment. So when she got back uh, a few days ago, she said, you know, those wonderful Catholic Christmas cards that I was going to send to impress all my friends, they're going to have to wait till next year because she didn't, she couldn't get them ready because of all the, sure. uh, the distractions. 
So you probably didn't get a very Catholic Christmas card from me this year, Frank. <laughs> so it had nothing to do with how I feel about you. It was just that we, <laughs> it was just simply uh, uh, an, not an oversight. She just couldn't get around to it. Mm-hmm. You know, she just couldn't get around to, uh, to, uh, to, to doing all these Christmas cards and to signing them and all of that. So uh, to you and any close friend who may watch, I didn't forget about you. We just didn't have the time to <laughs> to put those very Catholic Christmas cards, you know, with the nativity and all the references to this part of the Bible and that part of the Bible. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We were, You're going to have to wait till next year okay. uh, to get one of those. But you, you do send out Christmas cards, right? We do, yes, and that's uh, that's perfectly fine, Silvio. Your um, the intention is accepted and always right. there. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've noticed though that more and more people are sending these picture cards of their family, and uh, you know, they're one single looks like an old time postcard, but with maybe five pictures of the family at different times of the year or they're sending a letter talking about what they did all year long. And that's that's well and good. It's nice to keep up and nice to see how the kids have grown and all that. But um, how can I put it? Is it Christmas? Well, I guess it's just something they do at Christmas to uh, keep the keep people closer, and that's fine. But it's uh, it's, it's different than sending out the traditional Christmas cards. Yeah, I like the traditional Christmas card. I know what what you're referring to. These people who write like a summary of the whole year. Right. And, and they send that to you. And it's like, in January, we went to to this place. And in February, we went to this place. Yes. And in March, we went to this place. Yeah. And, in, and so they write everything they've done in the whole year. And I, I, I appreciate that because I, I know many of these people who send me this stuff, but it takes a lot of work. It does. And you know, the other thing, too, is um, for people like Peg and myself, <laughs> we have what I consider a very adventurous life in our minds and spirits, but we don't go all that many places. You're nicely settled up in a nice Wisconsin area up there, away from the big city, close enough that you can take me to the airport like you did that one time, Yes, but far enough that you don't have to hear or deal with the politics of Milwaukee. Exactly. So you're, 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 you're in a perfect, <laughs> a perfect distance. Well, Frank, uh, one of the things that you always do, and we love so much, is when you do a reading, when you share with us something you've selected. So I'm going to let you now uh, do your reading and and tell us what you've selected, and then we'll talk about it after. So you're on, Frank. Well, very good. Thank you. One of my uh, favorite authors is Ray Bradbury, who passed away a couple of years ago. And Ray Bradbury primarily was a writer of fantasy and science fiction. And um, very popular, very prescient in some of the things he foresaw in terms of of his science fiction writing. And so this is one of his stories. It's a very short story, one of the reasons I selected it for this, but um, a very interesting one and and somewhat different from what we usually do. So uh, I will read this out. By the way, my favorite, one of my favorite books 
Bradbury book is called Dandelion Wine. And it's a book about the summer of 1928 as seen through the eyes of a 12-year-old boy. And you don't have to be in 1928 to identify with the experiences. It's wonderful. It's a combination of experience and fantasy. And uh, I heartily recommend it to all of your listeners. I was going to say very quickly, uh, a 16-year-old boy in 1928, look look what he had coming. He had uh, yes. a depression and a world war. Uh, yes. in the next 10 years. So that's pretty, you know, that's a pretty interesting time to be alive. It really uh, is. It really is. Well, anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. So go ahead and continue, please. Great. Well, the story is called The Gift. Tomorrow would be Christmas. And even while the three of them rode to the rocket port, the mother and father were worried. It was the boy's first flight into space, his very first time in a rocket and they wanted everything to be perfect. So when at the customs table, they were forced to leave behind his gift, which exceeded the weight limit by no more than a few ounces, and the little tree with the lovely white candles, they felt themselves deprived of the season and their love. The boy was waiting for them in the terminal room. Walking toward him after their unsuccessful clash with the interplanetary officials, the mother and father whispered to each other, What shall we do? Nothing, nothing. What can we do? Silly rules. And he so wanted the tree. The siren gave a great howl, and people pressed forward into the Mars rocket. The mother and father walked at the very last, their small, pale son between them, silent. I'll think of something, said the father. What? asked the boy, and the rocket took off, and they were flung headlong into dark space. The rocket moved and left fire behind, and left earth behind, on which the date was December 24th, 2052, heading out into a place where there was no time at all, no month, no year, no hour. They slipped away the rest of the first day, Near midnight, by their Earth-time New York watches, the boy awoke and said, I want to go and look out the porthole. There was only one port, a window of immensely thick glass of some size was up on the next deck. Not quite yet, said the father. I I'll take you up later. I want to see where we are and where we're going. I want you to wait for a reason, said the father. He had been lying awake, turning this way and that, thinking of the abandoned gift, the problem of the season, the lost tree and the white candles. And at last, sitting up no more than five minutes ago, he believed he had found a plan. He need only carry it out, and this journey would be fine and joyous indeed. Son, he said, in exactly one half hour, it will be Christmas. Oh, said the mother, dismayed that he had mentioned it. Somehow she had rather hoped that the boy would forget. The boy's face grew feverish and his lips trembled. I know, I know. Will I get a present? Will I? Will I have a tree? You promised. Yes, yes, 
all that and more, said the father. The mother started, but I mean it, said the father. I really mean it. All and more, much more. Excuse me now, I'll be back. He left them for about 20 minutes. When he came back, he was smiling. Almost time. Can I hold your watch, asked the boy. And the watch was handed over and he held it ticking in his fingers as the rest of the hour drifted by in fire and silence and unfelt motion. It's Christmas now, Christmas, where's my present? Here we go, said the father and took his boy by the shoulder and led him from the room, down the hall, up a rampway, his wife following. I don't understand, she kept saying, y you will. Here we are, said the father. They had stopped at the closed door of a large cabin. The father tapped three times and then twice in a code. The door opened and the light in the cabin went out and there was a whisper of voices. Go on in, son, said the father. It's dark. I'll hold your hand. Come on, mama. They stepped into the room and the door shut and the room was very dark indeed. And before them loomed a great glass eye, the porthole, a window four feet high and six feet wide from which they could look out into space. The boy gasped. Behind him, the father and mother gasped with him. And then in the dark room, some people began to sing. Merry Christmas, son, said the father. And the voices in the room sang the old, the familiar carols. And the boy moved forward slowly until his face was pressed against the cool glass of the port. And he stood there for a long, long time, just looking and looking out into space and the deep night at the burning and the burning of ten billion, billion white and lovely candles. All right, Frank, you always do it. You always do it. You always hit home run with us. Um, <laughs> I, I have two questions. As I Thanks was listening to Ray Bradbury. To yeah, no, I, first of all, why do you like him? Why do you like that author? I have not read his book, so tell me why you like him. Because he has a great deal of sensitivity. Mm -hmm. uh, he's able to write. He's, he doesn't get caught up as some science fiction people do, writing about, if you will, the special effects, right. what the rocket was like, you know, how many tons of fuel they're using, how fast they're moving. It's about the people mm -hmm. and how people and creatures, sometimes the supernatural creatures, how they relate to one another and what's around them. Right. And it, it's incredibly romantic writing. So he, he's, more in, he's more of a people, he writes about people, not necessarily... Uh, so if he was writing, let's say, a novel about the Civil War, let's say, mm -hmm. he'd be writing more about the people involved in the Civil War, not not the yes, not the battles or whatever that or or, or d detailed descriptions yeah. of the uniforms and all of that. It's it's about feelings and people and 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 how they are and would would live. Yes, right. Okay. Now you mentioned December twenty fourth and the rockets. And I always have a memory of December 24th, and that's Apollo 8. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, but Apollo 8 went around the moon. It was the first time that a mission yes. went around the moon. Uh, Borman was one of the guys. Borman, uh, I, I cannot, the, the other two guys will come back to me. Uh, Lovell, Jim Lovell was one of the, uh, so sure. Borman, Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and there was another one whose name I cannot remember right now. But they went around the moon, and uh, around midnight on December 24th, or very late on December 24th, they actually uh, spoke to the world. It was meant for the United States, but of course the whole world could hear them. And they read from the book of Genesis. So here they are up there in space, and they're literally looking at the earth in their window, and they read from the book of Genesis. And I remember that because I happened to be in my car with my parents when that was on the radio live, or maybe it wasn't live. Maybe we were listening to a recording. I, I cannot mm-hmm. confirm whether it was live or not, but it was at that time. It was, it was like about 10, 10 o'clock or so, December 24th. And I just have always uh, associated December 24th with that. Uh, well, with many things, but when, it, when, yes. when you heard said rockets and you said December 24th, 2052, uh, it, it just reminded me of that December 24th uh, Christmas Eve when we were actually listening to people read from the, the book of Genesis up in space. And what an amazing experience that was for me. Yes. Uh, hearing that, uh, that something that, because I have to tell you something about the space program. Whenever, like when Apollo 11 landed and Apollo 8 and these others, my parents would always look to each other in an almost in a, in a very childish way. And they would say, like, can you believe this? Can you believe yep. that they're up on the moon? Because they made references to these little comics that they used to read yep. about people going into space, you know. So my parents would look at each other like, really? You know, we used to read about stuff like that in comics. And it was almost like they were like children yes. reacting to this. And I always have that memory of them uh, that uh, that Christmas Day, which I think was 1968. Uh, when that uh, when that happened. Well, Frank, you're always a treat. You're always a delight. <laughs> and it's a great honor to have you. We always do this, but we only talk about you, Christmas. When you're we too do kind, this. Silvio. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back into politics. Uh, and there's a lot of that to talk about. But we'll sure get is. into that uh, the next time because there's so much to talk about. But today I wanted to focus on on the holiday and your participation. So thank you so much. And I know it's a couple of days late. But uh, Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. I hope you, you're planning to do something that night. We're probably going to have uh, the Mambo Kings over That's wonderful. Uh, on, on, on Saturday night or whatever it is. Uh, so, uh, so thank you so much for your time, Frank. Thank well, you so much. Sylvia, the same to you and yours and all, the, all of our audience. And God bless. And uh, I wish your new grandson a, a pleasant birth. And right, welcome yes. Welcome to the world. That's right. And it'll be in the next few days when that happens, maybe sooner. So if you get an email from me from a photo with a photo, <laughs> it's probably him. That sounds great. <laughs> Thank you so much. My best to you and to your family. Thank you. And, and to all. And God Thank bless. you so much. Thank you so much. Our good friend, uh, Frank Burke, as we uh, as we always do, we've been doing it for several years, talking about talking about Christmas. And he always does a reading and I enjoy it uh, a great deal. Well, thank you very much. As I said, a couple of days late, but happy 
Happy Christmas, uh, Happy New Year to everybody, and I hope you have a wonderful, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful week as we get ready for what will be a very crazy 2024. I just trust me, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye bye, everybody. <music>